This week is an important week the world over. Not just in America, the results of the election this year will reverberate throughout every country on the planet for years to come. And for most Americans, waiting to see who will be leading their country for the next four years is an extremely nerve-wracking few days. It makes one want to do anything in their power to distract themselves from the ongoing counting of votes. As someone who enjoys looking into the strange and unusual parts of history, it made me want to explore if there were any stories regarding elections or democracy worth discussing. Then I found out there are in fact numerous accounts of interesting things happening around elections. From the time in Missouri when a dead man won the election for a seat in the Senate, to the towns in California, Minnesota, Colorado, and Kentucky who all elected dogs as their mayors at one point or the other, elections have always, and likely will always, be full to the brim with the odd and the fascinating. But in my personal opinion, the most incredible story I found started in the state of New York in 1895 by a philanthropist named William R. George, and it spread like wildfire throughout the country. George started what he called a junior republic. From the time of its inception until 1945, these junior republics became an experiment in revolutionary techniques specifically geared towards young people. It's a system that in all honesty should be brought back for a second attempt. Who knows, it might be the change needed to spur a sincere interest in the running of this country. Mahatma Gandhi once said, What is needed to make democracy function is not knowledge of facts, but right education. I'm Aidan Maine. Welcome to Haunting Historia. first junior republic was established in Freeville, New York. William George had grown up in the nearby town of West Dryden, but as an adult, he worked as a businessman in New York City. Over time, he developed an interest in the children of the city, specifically the less fortunate of them. The toughs, as he called them, were the kids of the late 1800s who frequently banded together and gave the New York City police a hard time. George wanted to find a way to both help the children to better their lives, as well as to attempt significant decrease in arrests involving these street children. His solution? Giving the children access to the same type of fresh air and open field fun that he experienced growing up in the country. It was a bold strategy to employ on the toughened, street-savvy children of New York City. But it was just the start to something that would grow into a phenomenon. William started what he called the Fresh Air Fund charity. He managed to receive generous funding from the New York Tribune. And, in the summer of 1890, 
he and 22 children traveled to Freeville for a summer unlike any the kids had seen before. There's no official record of the events or results of that first summer, but it must have been quite successful. Over the following five years, more and more children and adults joined in the summer trips to Freeville. It was around this five-year period that William George started to establish the foundation of what would become the Junior Republic. He predicated it on the idea of nothing without labor, hoping to instill a sense of community and personal responsibility in the children who attended. But William went even further by constructing a system based entirely upon the existing United States government. The only difference being that in the town of Freeville, the children would be the sitting officials and lawmakers. In 1895, he established a permanent residence with the help of five volunteers. Now, the Junior Republic could really take off. Like something straight out of Lord of the Flies, the children who came to Freeville every summer were the ones in control. Author James Muirhead described the setting, writing, They elect their rulers, make and enforce laws, and carry on business just as adults do in the greater world. The kids essentially role-played their respective positions. They didn't actually act as members of civil service. That doesn't mean that the experiences and results were no less real. Boys and girls of all races, ethnicities, and economic statuses came together as officials and citizens of the George Junior Republic in Freeville. They sat in seats modeled after the larger U.S. lawmakers and created their own laws within the town. They hired police officers, library workers, bankers, post office staff, and every other occupation one would expect to find in the mirrored adult world. With the help of experienced adults, these kids built buildings and swimming pools and other accommodations for the town. A revolutionary place like Freeville naturally attracted the attention of the country at large, and soon enough, journalists, psychologists, educators, tourists, and even the American Youth Administration swung by the town to experience it for themselves. There, they saw with their own eyes the elections set up by kids with children as the candidates. The majority of the officials were between the ages of 14 and 21. But visitors noticed that even children as young as five could find accomplishments within the Junior Republic. With the help of home economics classes, the children learned how to set up and maintain homes. Junior police squads, junior judges, and junior sanitation workers combined to keep the streets clean and safe, setting up games for the kids to arrest their peers. They went so far as to try cases even built a juvenile jail for a realistic experience of the justice system. Children who attended were simultaneously kids enjoying summer vacation and representatives of government debating real topics, some 
as important to be on a national level. This endeavor was to allow kids from an early age to understand what it means to be an adult in the United States. This happening in the 1890s and early 1900s, when society as a whole pushed more and more for excluding children from the world of adults. It was a fair response to the cruelties of child labor forces in factories and other dangerous jobs. But the trend took it a little too far in the opposite direction taking all responsibilities away from the youth in favor of protecting the new idea of childhood. What William George's Junior Republic and the numerous communities modeled off it provided was a sort of middle ground where kids could get to feel like adults and learn real skills that could be taken with them when they graduated into the Big Republic. The experience was so real, in fact, that William once said, no one can tell where the Big Republic leaves off and the Junior Republic begins. Countless lives were changed thanks to the Junior Republics, particularly for immigrant and minority kids. Freeville, with its success and praise, was just the beginning. From 1908 to 1910, new Junior Republic communities were established in California, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Maryland, and New Jersey. William then founded the National Association of Junior Republics in an effort to take his idea one step further. He wanted to set up these miniature governments in at least one city in every state of the Union. The Junior Republics also caught the attention of international visitors. As a result, William devised plans to discuss institutions for youth in other countries besides America to be based on each country's respective governments. Unfortunately for him, the idea would eventually fade away as enthusiasm for a more sheltered childhood grew in society. He never managed to achieve a unified movement, but it's been said this was not a failure on his part. Rather, it was a diffusion of the Republic's core principles that ultimately brought the experiment to an end. The George Jr. Republic still exists today under the name the William George Agency for Children's Services, and its mission remains more or less the same. Sadly, there are very few junior republics or similar communities surviving in the United States today. It's a shame, because the republics produced exceptional individuals, such as Sidney Marovitz, a Chicago judge, and actor Jerry Stiller from the Boys Brotherhood Republic, U.S. Surgeon General Julius Richmond, 
at Allendale. Alfred Cleveland, celebrated Motown singer, who attended Hill City. And even Steve McQueen from the California Boys Republic. But before they faded from popularity, they made quite the mark on the war-torn era of the early 1900s. Stay tuned after the break to hear all about it. This episode of Haunting Historia was written and produced by me, Aidan Main, with research assistance from Marie Gervais and music by Jean Bjork. I started this podcast to share the stories and aspects of the past that get left out or forgotten, to explore history and bring back with me lessons from the past that can help shape today. If there's a story you think I should cover, reach out to me via email using stories at hauntinghistoria.com or through the contact form on hauntinghistoria.com. commenced in 1914, many of the boys of the Junior Republics enlisted and served their country with pride, but there were plenty of children left in Freeville and beyond who no less wanted to do their part, despite how they were too young to join the military. Citizens of these communities directed efforts towards helping the war effort in any way they could. They may have been kids, but they actually manufactured military goods collected scrap metal, sold war bonds like candy, canned vegetables, and provided information about the war. Unable to personally help overseas, these boys and girls made real contributions and served America's interests in the war while maintaining their relative independence at home. After the war, the children were so highly valued they were used by schools and police departments for traffic management. The Junior Republics gave the kids skill and expertise in radio broadcasting, newspaper printing, and filmmaking, providing them with the networks they would need in their adult lives. If you enjoyed this episode of Haunting Historia, then I invite you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. During uncertain times, such as the entire year of 2020, it's fascinating to look back at our history and glean what we can apply to our own world today. So many aspects of the past mirror the problems of today. Maybe, by studying these oft-overlooked parts, we may build ourselves a better tomorrow. So follow along each week as I explore another story from the depths of history. People without the knowledge of their past history, origin, and culture is like a tree without roots. Marcus Garvey.